going to teach a little bit, then we're going to pray a little bit. I was reminded, I don't think my wife would mind me telling this story because she wasn't in the picture uh, way back when. Um, I was interested in this little girl when I was in high school, and she was Catholic. And so I'd never, I went, never been to a Catholic church before, but there was a whole lot of standing up and sitting down and this and that, and I didn't understand it. But that's kind of what it's going to be like today, all right? Uh, so that's what was reminding me of that. Um, uh, so if that's your background, we're not, we're not going to talk to anybody but, but the Father, all right? Um, but I do want to, um, it's interesting to me where the Lord has brought me, and I knew I was going to end up here, but then after Raquel last night, um, I, I think it'll hook together somewhat. Um, if some of, some of you are not familiar with, um, uh, uh, does everybody know where our storefront was when we were in the storefront? Does anybody know? Who was there? Who was there? Iris was there. Precious was there. Doris was there two days. Uh, Opal was there. Hallelujah. Um, and then, so it's awesome. There's Taco Bell on Highway 20. Austin's Furniture wasn't there uh, until we, um, towards the end of when we were there. We were in the side part. And so it was there of Austin's Furniture, that building. And so that's where I pulled up the Lord. When I moved down here 30 years ago, uh, I think it was in September or so, um, I started driving around all of Madison County. Because originally he said to me, Huntsville. And I think he said Huntsville. And people are like, why do you say that? You're in the wrong city. I'm not in the wrong city. Um, I'm not in the wrong place. I'm exactly the place the Lord told me to be. But he said Huntsville. Because at that time, Madison was really small. It was like 3,000 or 4,000 people. And so I wanted to be in the big city, so I don't think he tricked me, but then now Huntsville and Madison and even Decatur and Athens, it's going to be quad cities before we look, look at it anymore, you know, uh, so, um, so uh, one day I was praying and he said, uh, go to the airport, go by the airport, and so he directed me, and then he said to this road, uh, he, talking about praying, because I was praying, I prayed and I got down here, that's how I got here, by prayer. I, I didn't get here by any way. I, I, I didn't look at, uh, I didn't call Rama. I didn't call anybody and say, hey, what's the, where's the best city? Uh, you know, let's look at a map and see where, where, where they make the most money at. Uh, I'm going to go plant a church there. Where, where are there no churches? I'm going to go there. And I didn't do any of that. It was all led by the Spirit of God. And so then when I got down here, you know, I'm here. Now, where's, where is it? And so one day I was praying as we drove, I mean, man, I drove all over Madison County, up to Hazel Green, down to Arab, uh, through Huntsville many times, and then over here a couple times, but mostly up north here. And then one day he said, go to the airport. So I went to the airport and he said, uh, that road right there, get off there. And then he said, okay, look to your left, that building right there. So I pulled up and there was a for rent sign. He said, there it is. And so, okay, I had a building, but uh, uh, I, I had $900. And the down payment was, what do you think? $900. And the guy said to me, he said, um, you have a congregation. I didn't lie. I had one right in here. He said, you got a congregation, right? I'm like, uh-huh, because it was right in here. Now, it didn't look like it for a long time, but I had to say, so I'm talking to you about that. And so when I was over there in the storefront, we were about six months in, and uh, we, we weren't, uh, I hadn't met Rhonda, Pastor Rhonda yet. We weren't married. And there was, you know, hardly anybody there. I think at that time, maybe 10 people. And uh, I was praying, and Lord, you remember, you know, I'm not questioning where I'm at now. I, I know where I'm supposed to be. I've already got that over with. Okay, I'm like, okay, we're here, but surely you want some people to come. 
don't you? And I knew, back, looking back 30 years, dude, man, I had to grow up. I had to figure some things out. I had to get rid of some things in my life. I mean, the first thing I had to do, thank God when Pastor Rhonda came, the first thing she helped me to do was get a heart for the lost. Because really all I wanted to do was, I wanted to be like Brother Hagen and teach my people faith, which I think I've done over the years. And the subjects really that were on his heart really are on my heart. Um, faith and uh, authority of the believer and how to be led and um, all those kind of things. But uh, he had to do some things. And so six months in, though, I was praying one day, and I was walking, praying in the, the storefront, and you've seen the pictures of it. So I was praying in there and where nobody came, but I was walking through the chairs, and the Holy Ghost said, I'm going to teach you how to grow this church, and I'm going to give you this message, and you're going to preach it all over the world. Well, I found him a little bit like Sarah. I found him funny. What do you mean preach all over the world? I can't even get anybody here. What do you mean preach around the world? And the message I'm going to preach to you today, I've preached around the world. Amen. It's interesting when God speaks something to you, it's usually Z, and you're at A. And that's what I've been talking about Monday and Tuesday, is how to get from A to B to C. You pray it out. Amen. And so it just all through the years, we have taken steps. We started going to the nations after we got married. Uh, my big brother in the faith, Mark Brzee, um, and Janet um, saw something in us. We don't know what, um, but they did, and they asked us to start going to the Damata schools. We had less than 50 people when they started asking us to go, but it really uh, awakened the other side of both of our ministry calls, and it really helped at home because we were able to do that part of us like we were supposed to, and we began to figure it out. But he gave me this message during that time, and I have preached this all over the world, and some of you have been here, obviously, if you've been here for 30 years, 20 years, probably even 10 years, uh, you may have heard this. If you've been here less than 10 years, you may not have heard this. But I want to look through the book of Acts. And so uh, he told me to pattern our church in prayer and expectation like the book of Acts. How many of you know we're still part of the book of Acts? I said, we're still part of the book of Acts. And if it happened in the book of the Acts, the dispensation of the Holy Ghost, it ought to be happening today. And really what it is, is we have to come and agree. We have to A, know it. My people perish because of a lack of knowledge. So if you don't know what God did and how the Holy Ghost did, then you're not going to be able to believe for it today. And if it's word and he did it through the early church, he can do it through us. We're still part of that same church. You know, we say the early church, the later church, but we are that church. This, you know, Brother Hagin used to say, instead of calling this the Acts of the Apostles, it would be better named the Acts of the Holy Ghost. And so how many know the Holy Ghost is still here? And so he's the one we've been talking about on Monday and Tuesday, uh, praying in other tongues, praying with the Holy Ghost, uh, believing God. And so I want to just uh, wrap this up. I could spend hours and hours teaching on prayer. I love to teach on prayer, and I love to pray. And I, again, I'm sorry a little bit that we didn't pray a little more, but um, I want to give you these things, and I'm going to breeze through these, so listen, and uh, if you want to write these scriptures down. So first of all, I want to talk about how often they prayed in the book of Acts. The Bible says in Acts 1.14, it says they continued with one accord. Everybody say they continued. They continued with one of prayer, one accord in prayer. Acts 6 4 said, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer. It says, We will, so how often? Continually. Everybody say continually. How often is continually? 
It's just all time. Uh, Acts chapter 12, verse 5 says this. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing. Everybody say, without ceasing. So they continued. They were continually, and they were without ceasing. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. How in the world can you pray without ceasing? How in the world can you continually pray? Because if you've got a job, if you've got a business, if you've got a child, if you've got, you know, if you you know, you got a car, you got a lawn, you got dishes, you got food, you got all. How do you pray continually? It's more of an attitude. Why would you ever disconnect from the Lord? Why would you ever disconnect? So even praying in tongues, you can, um, you can be aware and out throughout your day, you, can, you don't have to pray for hours. Sometimes people get this. It's like, um, it's like anything. If I don't have an hour to set aside to do it, I, I'm just not going to do it. But you, don't, you can't do that with prayer. You can't do that with the word. This is your life. This is your life. And so you should, you should always be aware of God. You should always be aware of his presence. So continuing in prayer is an attitude. Uh, you know, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, everybody's heard of him. What did he say? I've heard him say it, heard it said, you know, I have people repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And so I don't know what he originally said, but this is what I heard that he said, that he doesn't pray any longer than 10 minutes, but he doesn't go 10 minutes without praying. So I don't know if that's accurate. I haven't seen that in one of his books, but I've heard people say that. But the point is this, continue in prayer. Continuous in prayer. Pray without ceasing. And so that was the attitude. That was the, how often they did it. Now, this is their attitude in prayer. In Acts 1.14, it says they were all in one accord. So we're talking about corporate prayer. How many know, uh, first and foremost, you ought to be able to get in unity with yourself. But I've seen people have a hard time with that. How do you get a unity with yourself? Well, your spirit is willing. Remember Jesus uh, when uh, uh, he asked Peter, Peter, James, and John to come pray with him? He said, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. What was he talking about? Prayer, staying connected. Watching is more really accurately what they were supposed to do. They were, he needed help or he wouldn't ask him to come. Even Jesus needed help in prayer. So prayer is necessary. It seems as though God could, the Father can do nothing until somebody on earth asks. It's a legal thing. And Jesus needed help. Pray. Come on, Jesus needed help. And so we asked the three closest to him, come watch with me. And they couldn't. They were tired. And he said, your, your spirit is willing, talking about praying and staying connected. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So what do you got to do? Well, you got you you to renew your mind. You got to keep your body under. And you got to get in unity with yourself. And then when you bring that unity into a place like this, it is so important. God only pours out his spirit where there's unity in one accord. Faith only works where there is, uh, where, remember Jesus had to throw all the doubt and unbelief out in order to raise, raise the girl from the dead. And then Peter copied it. He said, there's a whole lot of, you know, in Dorcas, we, we got to get everybody, we got to get everybody out. God, move, God moves best in an atmosphere of faith and unity. Amen. 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 That's why we work hard around here at keeping the unity. Right? So he works in one accord. Uh, it said their attitude in prayers was in Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly. In Acts 4.32, it says they were of one heart and one soul. 
And so it's, it's interesting to see that, um, that there, there's something to those things that I, I, I trust. I, I believe we are there in our prayer around here. But um, those are the things that they were doing. But listen, uh, I, one of the things um, that we ought to get when we pray is results. And so when you prayed the prayer of faith, if you're really in faith, you should, expect, you should be rejoicing over it. Oh, I'll just throw this out. I think we're about at 65,000 already. So we'll give you another total tonight. Man, we're going to knock this thing out by the night's end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then we'll just go, we'll do Ephesians 3.20 on that. And they'll get some new bathrooms too. And ooh, that would be fun. Hallelujah. Um, but but, but you, I, I believed. You believed. We rejoice over it, not, not trying to make God do something. We're just, we're grateful. We, we believe we got it. Amen. And so that is what faith does. And so um, it's important for you to realize that God, when you pray, there should be results. And when you pray, every prayer you pray should be a prayer. It's not the prayer of faith. So I like to say the prayer of petition, you know, Mark 11, 24 and 1 John 5, 14 and 15. But every prayer you should, every prayer you pray should be in faith. Even if you're asking God for his will in something, like you don't know where you're supposed to live or where you're supposed to go to church or who you're supposed to marry or, you know, or what, uh, what you should name your business or, you, Lord, what's your will in this? What, what's, what's your input on this? That's really asking the Lord his will. So even when you ask that, you should ask it in faith. Asking in faith, then you expect to get an answer. Where do you get that answer? On the inside of you. Every prayer you should pray, every prayer you pray should be a prayer with faith. Expectation. Because that's the only thing that pleases God. And so when we pray, we're not begging. No begging. No whining. No crying. Unless it's a happy tear. He understands tears, but not not in prayer, not in faith. Now, I have prayed through tears before, so I guess i got to admit. But getting it together. But listen, we're not begging. If we see something in the word, we're just asking. We're receiving. So, so even with a revival, even, oh, you know, oh, kumbaya, Lord. He don't have to kumbaya anymore. He's in here. Lord, send your glory just now. Well, he did. It's in you. It's not about trying to get God to do something. Well, I just wish God would send revival. Well, he did. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. He sent revival. Revival's here. It's what we do with it. Oh, yeah, there are certain moves of God and he emphasizes things. But he just needs somebody to cooperate, cooperate with him. Like William Seymour. He just needed him to cooperate. When nobody believed in him, he did what God told him to do. And it changed the, it changed the, the face of church history as you and I know it. Every major Pentecostal movement almost that I know of came out of that. One man got a hold of God. You know, I get tired of people's excuses. Well, this has got to be right. And just to leave you a little insight, this is why I get so irritated about things that are going on in our nation. Everybody thinks, well, it's just got to be perfect. You know what? I want it perfect, but I don't care if it is perfect. Because it is not going to limit God. It's just not. If it does, I have to go back to a lot of nations and apologize to them. 
Because, oh, I forgot to tell you, your government has to be perfect before God can move. Why don't God move and then he can make your government perfect? You know, just like this country we're talking about. I'll be on the edge here. Um, but, you know, if, 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 if suddenly there was a mighty wind in a certain country and 60% of the people got born again and started obeying God and doing the word, then everything would change that way. But, you know, God doesn't have to wait for that to change to do something. So don't you be thinking everything's got to be perfect in your life for you to be a, a, a witness. Come on, the devil will keep you locked up in your house and in a church if you think you've got to be perfect before you can tell somebody about Jesus. I've been sick before. Have, now, let me say it this way. Better say I've had symptoms in my body not allowing sickness to stay and laid hands on people, and they got healed, and I still just walked by faith and walked mine out. Listen, I had someone tell me one time, we're just going to go everywhere in here today, aren't we? I had someone one time, I, was married, I, was, I wasn't married, but I had a, a couple that I was counseling with marriage. And someone came to me and said, you're not, you're not fit to do that because you're not married. You have no clue what you're talking about. I said, I do know what I'm talking about because I'm giving them the word. I don't have to be married to tell you what a good marriage is because I can find it in Ephesians chapter 5. It's right there. I don't have to be an expert. He's an expert. I just got to tell you what it says. I was preaching prosperity with literal holes in my shoes. Paint peeling off my car. God wants you rich. With holes in my shoes. I, literally holes in my shoes. I'm not exaggerating. Wet socks all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was terrible. And then somebody saw it. And bought me a new pair. And really, since then, I've had new pairs all the time. Praise God. But you don't have to be perfect. But, but really what brings this all about, and I'll get back to this, is, is praying. And the re, you ought to get results. I expect results. I've had results. Do I want more results? I do. Uh, do I want more people to understand this? I do. So we got to get going. All right. So, how many know Elijah prayed? Right? What happened when he prayed? Well, first of all, the rain stopped. Now, remember, he didn't get mad at everybody and decide, I'm going to pray in a drought. He said, I did this at your word. Right? But the, what are you supposed to get out of that according, uh, according to James? It says that Elijah, James 5, 17, 18, Elijah was a man subject to like passions. Uh, James 5, 17. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed. What are you supposed to get out of that? What are you supposed to get out of it? He's just like you. He's just a human being. Because it didn't say Elijah the prophet prayed. It said Elijah, a man just like you. Everybody say, I can pray. And when you pray, what should happen? You should get some results. So when he prayed, according to the will of God, faith begins where the will of God is known. So anytime you pray, you better have word. Amen. I said, anytime you pray, you better have word. So you got to, because faith begins where the will of God is known. And even though if you're not praying the prayer petition or the prayer of faith for you, believing to receive something for yourself, every prayer, every prayer ought to have faith in it. Even if you're asking God what his will is in something. Elijah was a man subject to like passions just as you are, and he prayed. In other words, he's just like you, and he prayed. And what happened? God heard him. And what happened? There was a drought. And then three and a half years later, what happened? What happened? He prayed again at the word of the Lord. Remember, 
at the word of the Lord. It's time. We're done here. Let's, get, let's, let's, build a, let's build a memorial and move on. We're done here. Here comes the rain. Here comes the rain. Here comes the rain. Remember he told the king, you better get up on out of here. And then, the, oh, that was, must have been fun. Then the Holy Ghost came on him, and he outran the best horses. Hallelujah. I've ran in the Holy Ghost, but I've never run like that. Hallelujah. I don't know if you could take a corner good running like that. Hallelujah. But, but I'm, so, so I wanted you to get that. So when I pray, what should happen? Results. So when I pr- turn to your neighbor and say, you ought to get results. We're going to get results, right? Remember when Daniel prayed. I'm, wor- I'm working into Acts. You remember when Daniel prayed. Now he's in the old covenant. Jesus had not destroyed principalities and powers. Jesus was not yet seated. And so there was a war in the heavenly. And I think sometimes you, can, you, you better be careful, need to be careful about that because we, thank God for the Old Testament. Thank God for all the examples in there, but that's all they are. I don't believe anymore that there has to be a war in heaven because we're seated above it. Because right. things are different now. Come on, it ought to be easier for us than it was for Daniel. But Daniel saw something in the word that had not come to pass. A prophecy from God that had not come to pass. And he set himself to know. And so 30 years ago, I set myself to know. I set myself to know. I set myself at the direction of the Holy Ghost to know what does he want? What does the church look like? What are we supposed to be having in the last days? What is Cornerstone Word of Life Church? What is the move of God in North Alabama? What does that look like? I set myself to know. And when Daniel set himself to know, he prayed. Now, as soon as he prayed, an angel was dispatched. Now, they had a little war. But I'm telling you, as soon as you and I pray, because I don't have to go far to pray. I'm seated at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm just kind of turning around and saying, this is what your word says. We're not down here on earth begging. He already said what he wanted to do. He just wants you to, and I to ask so it'll be legal. Amen. Amen. So we know God gets results. Amen. All right. Let's, let's look at some stuff. All right. Let's go back. Acts chapter 1. Here we go. Acts chapter 1. It says, They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Acts chapter 2, verse 4 says, They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. It says, they, uh, so, so here we see that we see they were praying, the outpouring. So this is what the Lord taught me. I don't, have, I don't know if I'm going to have time to do it this way. So he said to me, Go everywhere in the book of Acts where you saw increase. So this is the first one 3,000 men. And so then you add the women and children in, but 3,000 men were born again. Remember, after they were baptized in the Holy Ghost, they heard them glorifying God. Then Peter, remember who the Lord had just restored, who was ordained to preach the first Pentecostal message, got up and, he, and he's like, men and brethren, these are not drunk, I mean, full of assurity. These are not drunk as you suppose. But I can tell you what God prophesied in the book of Joel, and this is that. And so he preached the message Uh, The Spirit of God was there, and 3,000 got born again and came to the Lord that day. How did it start? It started in prayer. So, you see, you you look at it this way. What happened? 3,000 got born again. What happened? There was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. A message was preached. The Word of God was preached. But it all began in prayer. 
It all began in prayer. Now, one of the things I want you to see and I want you really to get today is this. Prayer does not mean you don't do anything else. Because I know some people, who, I love to pray. I've been around praise for all my job is to pray. If God has you to pray, he also has you to say, but he also has some action for you to do. Everybody say action. And so here, Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost, but his action was to get up and preach. And they were all there. Remember, they staggered down from the upper room and everybody made fun of them because they were as drunk. And, you know, if you've been around here, especially if you're here Monday night, you know, you might have thought, oh, you know, that's what it looks like. All right. That's the power of God. Well, I don't believe I have to do that. No, you don't have to. You get to. Hallelujah. And is that necessary? It's only necessary if the Lord thinks it's necessary. And I think he thinks it's necessary. And so anyway, so, uh, so 3,000 got born again. Right? What caused that? They prayed. Stand up. Hallelujah. What did they pray for? Well, they didn't know what they're praying for. We did know what we do. What they were in unity in one accord. And Jesus said, "Don't leave there till you get filled with the Holy Ghost." So the Holy Ghost came. They got filled, and then they began to do it. So in Joel, he talked about. He said this, and this is what we're going to pray about. Verse seventeen of Acts chapter two. It says, "And it came to pass in the last days." Says God, "Is these the last days?" It says, it comes to pass in the last days, it says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Do you know anybody's flesh who needs the Holy Ghost? Well, mine needs the Holy Ghost, but I know a whole lot of people, their flesh needs the Holy Ghost. Do you know the Holy Ghost can pour out his flesh, pour out his spirit on people who are not born again? He did it here. He did it with a man named Saul. I'm believing for some divine interruptions. I was thinking about it. You know, I've had some things in my heart about some teenagers around here. Um, I, heard a, I heard a testimony, and we're going to get that. Listen, we're going to get there. Um, I think it was Norville Hayes. Y'all remember who Norville Hayes was? He was uh, uh, from Tennessee, and he talked real slow, and he was rich, and he was a preacher, and he talked really slow and really long. And uh, his daughter was away from the Lord, and he prayed. And an angel came in a room. Shook her up right back to Jesus. <laughs> Signs, wonders, miracles, divine help, divine cooperation. I've gotten so frustrated praying for some people in the church. None of you, I'm sure of it. But this was just not doing right. And I said, well, Lord, they won't listen, so give them a dream. And I don't really believe, I, I thank God for dreams, but it is not the highest way for God to communicate with you. But if last resort, I said, Lord, they're asleep. They can't do anything else. Give them a dream. And it's happened many times. So what are you going to pray about? Well, these are the last days. We're going to ask the Lord to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my servant, on my handmaiden, I'll pour out in those days of my spirit, says the Lord, and they're going to prophesy. So, Father God, we come boldly together, and we ask you to pour out your spirit. We ask you to pour out your spirit, yes, in this church, but in our community, in North Alabama, in southern Tennessee, all around us, 150 miles around us. We thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I thank you. Pour out your spirit on all flesh in this nation. Pour out your spirit on those that are in government. Pour out, pour out your spirit that those that are in leadership roles that all are over our nation. Pour out your spirit on all flesh, on our universities, on our universities, on our 
universities, on our universities. Pour out your spirit 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 on our universities. They belong to the generation of the upright, and we will not lose them. Pour out your spirit, we ask, uh, on universities, on high schools, on elementary schools, on neighborhoods, on churches, on our church, on churches, on hungry hearts, and even on those who don't know you or don't currently care to know you. I'm asking you to pour out your spirit. And Lord, I thank you that young people will, will, will see visions and, and your daughters and your sons, they'll prophesy. And I thank you, Father, for a great outpouring. Thank you that we're living in the middle of an outpouring. I'm living in the middle of an outpouring. Cornerstone Word of Life Church is in the middle of an outpouring. We're in the middle of an outpouring. We're in the middle of an outpouring. We're in the middle of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for your manifestations. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Now, what's the result? Have a seat. What's the result of that? What's the result of that? Well, 3,000 people got born again. You know, I am so grateful for being able to teach you, but nothing pumps, you know, cranks my tractor and pumps my clutch or whatever you say. Really cranks my tractor. Tractor is what I heard growing up. Nothing does that like when people answer the altar call on Sunday morning. And I can be real honest, when I first started 30 years ago, um, I didn't even do altar calls. You know what, how I wanted to grow this church? I wanted to grow, grow it from transfer growth because I thought, you know, that's how I got out of it and people need to hear the word. And if they leave the dead old dry church, you know, that's good. But I've changed my attitude. I really like to see people get born again. The backslidden come home. Sister Beatrice Stansky prophesied over Rhonda and I before we were married. She, uh, now this woman, she's a Opal's uh, spiritual mother. She was a missionary to Israel. And my goodness, when she, when she spoke a tongue and interpreted it, you just better write it down. She prophesied to me right before I was, met Rhonda. Um, she told me, I, you will have met her. And that's exactly what happened. I met her at Winter Bible, and then I met her again in March. Of course, I did look at my little black book. And there, was, there really wasn't nothing in there. <laughs> um, but uh, when we went, uh, Vicky, remember, I think it was Vicky and Opal, I said, I want, we want you to go over and see uh, Sister Stansky. So we went in, and we visited for a little bit, but it wasn't long in. She grabbed our hands, and she said, I see your hands like glue, and the Lord has assigned you to pick up the fallen grain of this area. And we've done that over the years, but I believe it's about ready to get kicking pretty good. What's the fallen grain? To me, that meant, yes, new birth, but a lot of backslidden. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people have been hurt in church. And they've used, they use that as an excuse to stay away from God. It's a silly excuse. Because people are people. Pastors and church people, they ain't perfect. And there is no perfect church. And if you think you can find one, you go start it and just with you. And then with just you, it'll still not be perfect. It's not perfect. It's Jesus perfect. Church not perfect. You just need to find someone, find a church where people are following God like David did with all his heart. Remember he said of David, he's a man after my own heart. 
That's what you need. Not perfection. That's kind of Pharisee and Sadducee stuff. That'll make you Sadducee. Acts 2.42. They continued steadfastly. How? Steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine. Thank God for doctrine. Kononia, fellowship. Breaking of bread. Could be communion. Could be eating from house to house. And in prayers. So what, what happened? The big four there were doctrine. Kononia. Breaking of bread. I think it's more communion. Prayers. So prayers are important. And they that believed were together, had things in common. Uh, verse 46, they continued daily with one accord. Everybody say one accord. There it is again. Yeah, one accord. Unity. Um, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily that should be saved. So the Lord can add to a church how often? Come on. I'm going to get you confessing what I used to confess, and I'm going to get back to it. This church grows daily. This church grows daily. It doesn't wait, it doesn't wait till Sunday to grow. It grows daily. In order for it to grow daily, that means you've got to be doing something. Because you are the church. And so you're the ones that are growing it. Sheep produce sheep. Sheep produce sheep. So you're daily helping us to grow the church. Right? So they, how? Because they got doctrine. Because they had kononia. Communion, or if you prefer, house to house eating. Whatever that is, I think it's more communion. I know I said that twice already. But prayers. That's why we're a praying church. Because I believe this. And what happened? It was the church was added to every day. That such that should be saved. Then... We keep going. Um, let's see. Uh, Acts 4 and 4 says, and it came to pass. No, is it Acts 4 and 4? Acts 4 and 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So from that, 3,000 to 5,000 men, plus all the women and children, so the church is growing. Everybody say it's growing. it's growing. Why is it growing? Number one, because of prayer. Number two, because when they prayed, something happened. There were always results. They didn't pray just to pray. I remember one time my wife made me go to a certain meeting, um, and she made me go. And I would come home irritated and agitated. I'm not going to tell you where it was or who it was, but let's just, anyway. And so it was this council thing. And so we prayed, and we prayed, and uh, I came home irritated. And, and really what they were doing was talking to one another. And calling it prayer. And calling it prayer. And then some saying this is the best prayer they ever had. I was so frustrated and irritated because I don't need to talk to you. You can't do nothing for me. And I'm not here to impress you. And uh, that's what it was. And so one time... She went, and then she goes, oh, <laughs> I see what you mean. And then besides that, you know, being a woman pastor, they weren't real receptive and made me nervous anyway. So uh, it, it, it just wasn't good. But she, then after that, she's like, you don't have to go anymore. I'm like, thank you. 
But I remember one time I was going to the city council to pray, and our staff does that. I don't do it anymore, but our staff still does it. The Lord said, be careful not to give a formal prayer. Others do that, but that's not who you are. He said, I want you to go pray. So I prayed. And I remember there was one councilwoman after I was done. She was so happy because I prayed the word over them. I prayed the wisdom of God into them, that they would make decisions based on the word of God and not their will. I prayed the word over them, that the eyes of their understanding. I mean, I just prayed the word. And when I said amen, she was like, "Mm mm-hmm. So, so, you know, but it, and the Lord told me one time, don't ever use prayer just to console someone. In other words, it's not supposed to be this way. You're really talking to God. And you sh- it, because if you do it the other way, which most people do, they're not expecting results. It's just, a, you, you, y'all remember when, when the world's mad right now and I told you to quit it anyway. You remember the world, you know, I don't, wanna, I don't want you to send me your prayers. Well, you know what? I don't want no one to send me their prayers either. Your sent prayers to me don't mean baloney to me. Because you're sending them the wrong way. I know what people are saying. I pray, but say it. I prayed for you. I asked God to do this for you. Say that. Don't say I, I'm sending you my prayers. Why? Because that means nothing. What means something is I talk to God. This is what I said to him. This is the word I use, and this is what's going to happen. That's different. That's different. Because the world doesn't believe anymore that God answers our prayers. I mean, if we're going to have to have a showdown again, we may just have to have a showdown. But we can't do that on our own. God's going to have to initiate that. You remember the showdown? The God who answers by fire, let him be God. And Elijah was so confident that he made fun of them. Is your God on vacation? Perhaps he's in the bathroom. Maybe you should go wake him. He's confident. It's not arrogance. That's confidence. And then God answered by, remember even in a time of drought, he put all that water on there. Wasted all their water. But it wasn't a waste. God licked it all up. I believe that God is still God today. But we got to believe. Okay, so you see they prayed. All right, then um, um, we'll go a little further and then we'll pray again. Um, The gate called beautiful. Now, this wasn't first a prayer, but Peter and John were on their way to do what? They were on their way to pray. So, man, cool things can happen even on your way to pray. People of prayer should really, they're connected with God, and so anything can happen at any time. They were on their way to pray. And remember the man said, you know, begging alms. They said, silver and gold, gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Remember then it caused a big old problem. And then when they got in trouble, they went to their committee and said, do you think we ought to keep on doing this? Let's take a vote. That's not what happened. They went to their own company and did what? Verse 23 of Acts 4 says, And being let go, they went their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders and said to them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. What is that? Prayer. 
Lord, and then they began to, and then in prayer, they didn't start with, this is the problem. They started with, this is who you are. This is who you are, and this is what we're asking you to do. Stretch forth your hand, because remember, they just got, the man got healed, and they told him, don't you teach or preach anymore in that name, Jesus. They forbid him to speak in that name. And instead of listening to them, they got more bold and said, stretch forth your hand to heal in the name of your holy child, Jesus. So we don't want to back up from that. We want more of that. And so what they did was they asked for more. And what maybe they were going to get was more persecution. But they were okay with that because they wanted God to move. And then God was so excited about it, just like on the day of Pentecost, he filled them all up again. And the place they were was shaken. I heard my spiritual father, you say this all the time. You get excited when you see someone shake. You wait till the building starts shaking again. I used to love this one. You remember, was it Elijah or Elisha? He went down on his face and the angel came and, and lifted him back up. It's cool when people fall down, but wait, wait till they start coming back up under the power. It happened once, it can happen again. If you did it for another, he'll do it for you. Hallelujah. But what's going on here? Well, they prayed. They prayed. What were they praying? They were asking God to do something that the world told them to stop. So the world is persecuting the church right now, especially in the United States of America, and telling us to change who we are and what we believe and what we preach. And you and I are going to have to pray and ask the Lord to make us bolder yet. And not be confrontational just to be confrontational, but to speak the word only. Somebody asks you a question, you ought to have an answer for it. And your answer ought to be what scripture it is. And, not, and I agree now, it's, it, it, more than ever, you've got to Google, search it. Because, you know, I have those. I know it says this. And so I just put it in and that scripture pops up. Tell them where it is. Well, I think it says, don't think it anymore. You've got to know where it is because it's the word and God performs his word. And if um, uh, one of my heroes, Brother Keith, one time, he was uh, preaching uh, just out of Bible school, and I think he was in his home church, and he went back and he was preaching on healing. And I think the pastor, and somebody, if the story goes, I don't think Brother Keith will be watching, but some of you listen anyway. But he, he said the, the pastor interrupted him because he was talking about it is the will of God to heal everybody. And there was, you know, an elder or somebody that had just, his wife had just passed or something like that. I think the story goes. And he, was, he got up and he's like, no, 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 you know, that you can't, no. And so then Keith got, Brother Keith got in trouble a little bit. But then he went home. He's like, Lord, what happened? He said, you start giving them what you thought. You should have just said what my word says. And if they want to argue with anyone, they're not arguing with you. They're arguing with me. If you give them what the word says, they'll have to argue with the Lord. They're not arguing with you. Now, if they want to argue with the Lord, they can argue all day and night. He's always right. They're always wrong. You either believe that or you don't. You know, and that's why you got to be careful people. Well, I just believe. I don't really care what you just believe. Give me a scripture. That sounded harsh, didn't it? You don't have a right to believe whatever you want to believe. Your children don't have a right to believe whatever they want to believe. 
I'm going to be real bold about this. Listen, they 18 and under, they start saying stuff that is contrary to the word of God. You better clamp down on them. Their life depends on it. I believe they'll grow out of it. It's a big chance to take. Hallelujah. Acts 4, 33. It says this. So they prayed. The place shook. Lord, we could use the shaking going on. Hallelujah. It says, verse 32, the multitude that believed were in one heart and one soul. Interesting. There it is again. So I got the pattern. So I was like, oh. I started getting into it, and I was like, oh, there's a pattern here. They prayed. They were in unity in one accord. You poured out your spirit. Signs, wonders, and miracles happened. People got healed, and then increase came. So in case I run out of time, I'm going to give you the punchline. That was it to me. I pray. I believe. You show up. You pour out your spirit. You do what you do. And then the people will come. And, you know, they didn't maybe come by the tens of thousands, but they at least started coming. And then where we're at in the world today, there has never been a time when people need to see the reality of God like they do today. I appreciate every kind of church, every pastor, they obey God. I, I do not like to put others down and stuff. They can do church the way they want to do church. This is the only way I know how to do church. Because this is how the Lord taught me to do it. If I would try to do it another way, I would be fake and phony. If I went to a seminar and figured out how to get 10,000 and did it that way, we might even grow. I'd probably lose all of you. I'd lose all of you because you wouldn't put up with that. You better not. You better not. I'll dump all you off and try to get all the softies. I'm not doing it. <laughs> like we used to say in the Midwest, I'm going to dance with the one who brung me. You know, you take someone as a date to a dance, you don't dance with anybody else. It's rude. <laughs> Unless you want to ride home with somebody else. <laughs> Verse 33 says that with great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. So what are all these signs and wonders about after we pray? To prove Jesus is alive. Aren't you grateful he's alive? Well, that's all passed away. How could it? He's alive. He's alive. And the Holy Ghost has always been here, and he's still alive. So it's still on, right? So let's pray. Let's pray. Stand up and pray again. I thought I'd have you up a whole lot more, but let's pray again. What are we praying? Well, it says, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God, and they asked the Lord to stretch forth his hand to heal. And then when they prayed, the place was shaken. So I think with whatever God is doing in our day and hour, healing and miracles are a part of it. Healing and miracles are a part of it. And yes, you as a born-again believer, healing is the children's bread. You ought to be able to receive it on your own. But there are going to be people walking through these double doors and places all over who don't know how to get theirs. And, will, and by the power and by the anointing and by the manifestations of the Spirit, they'll get healed. And then I'll send them to healing school and they can learn how to keep it. Yes. Hallelujah. And that was the original plan. 
Hallelujah. That's why the Lord told me to start healing school. He told me, Mark Brzee prophesied to me. He said, you'll have many instantaneous, but you're going to have to teach them how to keep it. It's good to get healed. It's better to keep it. So let's pray about that. Father God, we just exalt you. We honor you. You are God beside you. There is none other. Jesus, we're so grateful that you took stripes on your back so that we could walk in healing. And we know because of you walked on the earth and you went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And the anointing that was on you, you've dispersed into the body of Christ. And so we're grateful for the anointing that destroys the yokes of bondage, that destroys sickness and disease. So we come to you, Father God, in unity. We come to you in the mangrende We come to you in unity. We ask you to pour out your spirit on all flesh. And we ask you by signs and wonders and miracles to heal, to heal not just believers, but unbelievers. We ask you to show your compassion and your mercy and your kindness to those who don't know you. To those who don't know you, who those who don't know you, those who show up in this room or those who these people talk to or they go to lay hands on, those that don't know you, that they'll, you'll heal their body and then they'll get born again. They'll, you'll heal their body and then they'll come to church. You'll heal their body and then they'll get right with you. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Thank you for the manifestation of the Holy Ghost, gifts of healing, working of miracles, gift of special faith, the power gifts in operation in this place and in these people. In this place, but in these people. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Have a seat. Glory to God. Well, then the work got so great because there are all these people here. You got 5,000. You got 3,000, you added 5,000, then uh, got up to 5,000, and then the church was being added to daily. And then another place, it says it multiplied. But if you multiply even just by two, you know, about 10,000, you got 20,000. And so now there's a lot of work going on because it's becoming the church. And so in Acts chapter 6, and in verse 1, in those days, the number of the disciples were multiplied. The Bible doesn't exaggerate. So there's a multiplication going on. Lord, multiply us. I said, Lord, multiply us. Not to grow a big church, but that people's lives will be changed. Because if we're multiplying, people are getting born again. They're coming back to the Lord. They're getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, they're going to healing school. They're in Bible Institute. They're finding their destiny. Their marriages are getting fixed. Their children are growing up serving God. Hallelujah. In those days, the number of the disciples were multiplied. There was a murmuring in the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglecting the daily ministration. So there's natural work to be done. The twelve called the multitude, the disciples unto them, and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. Now listen, um, I, any minister I know is worth their salt. They don't mind serving tables. I've been serving all my life. Before y'all got here, I cleaned the commodes. I did it all. We did it all. Together we did it. Happy to do it. You know, now most people won't let me do anything. And I, I, sometimes I make them let me do things. But because it's just good to remember where you came from. The truth is, though, that if the word's going to get taught, I have to delegate. I can't do everything anymore. 
So Ron and, Pastor Ron and I are working on our delegating skills together. Because it's the way it's supposed to be. Wherefore, brethren, look out of you among seven men of honest report. Now, here's where the deacons came. Just a little side thought. Deacons was never meant to be a board that ran a church. Deacons were never meant to be a board that ran a church. That's man-made. It's man-made. And I've seen some demon deacon possess people. I've dealt with them. Not here, but other places. Think they're in charge. That's out of order. A deacon, diakonos, is a helper. Modern terminology, gopher. You go for this, you go for that. Yet the Lord said it's important. So not to downplay it, this is huge. There's qualifications for this. Because this is leadership. But it's not the deacons representing the church to the pastor. It's the deacons representing the pastor to the church. They say, oh, you can get in trouble. You know, all this pastor's on their own. Listen, around here, just in case you don't know, A, I have a Rhonda. (laughs) B, uh, besides our board of trustees, uh, myself, my wife, but we have Ollie is our treasurer. Is Joyce here today? She at work. LaJoyce is our secretary. Thank God for LaJoyce. She's kept me out of so much trouble. And she is a little bit of trouble since she's not here. She's a little ornery. And, um, she's a little ornery. Right. Love you, Joycey. Mm. Thank God for LaJoyce. She's the best. She, she is really. She is really. She really has helped us over the years so much. And then Eddie Cruz, Opal's son. Is Eddie? I need to hear. No. So that's the board of trustees. But I also have three spiritual advisors on a board. And all of them said to me, if you ever do anything wrong, we will be there and we will not be easy on you. So that's Mark Brzee, my big brother. Angela Keaton, you saw her. And then in, from Decatur, John White. So those are our three. We've never had really much to use them. But if we ever needed them, we have it set up. But a deacon was never meant to be in charge. Um, and so you got to watch some of that stuff. You know, order. Well, God's placed the order in the church. And uh, there's ways to do stuff. But it's not by natural men having control over a vision of a church. Okay, but what are we going to do? Look at verse 4. And we give ourselves continually, look at this, to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Notice prayer was first. I thought the word was always number one. Well, it said, you know, it's not right for us to leave the word of God and wait on tables. So, yes, the word is number one. But what the spirit of God is saying is a minister ought to have time to pray so you can have a due season word. A word in fresh manna. I've been doing this a long time. I've been preaching for 35 years. I can teach you out of my renewed mind. And it'd be all right because it'd be the word. But what's really good is like this week where I'm having lots of fun. Because y'all are pulling. And it comes up out of my heart, not my head. I like the bypass. (laughs) I like it coming up out of my heart only. It's fun. 
Just because sometimes I'm like, ooh, that's good. Get you, get my pen out, take a note. And what happened? So they gave, everybody say prayer. Prayer. And then the ministry of the word. And it says, and the same pleased the whole multitude. Now listen, what is that? Unity and one accord. The same, come on, if you get a multitude to go, I, you get a whole multitude of people with everybody's different opinion to say, that's the right. That's good. We're going to do this. The same pleased the whole multitude. And then they chose all of them. And then it says they laid hands on them. When I get a new deacon around here, our deacons are like, uh, Bethany is a deacon. She's head of the nursery. Um, uh, uh, Carlos is a deacon. He is the head of the parking lot. Um, uh, Ted, uh, even though you might have come from a place where they call him music minister, to me, he's a deacon. Uh, he is the leader of praise and worship. He and Gail are deacons. Uh, so we have these deacon meetings. I have an under-shepherd meeting for those who called to preach and teach uh, who are leading that way. And I have deacon meetings and I have leaders meetings, uh, all inclusive because they all lead. But um, so th- those are deacons. That's what a deacon is. They serve the people. They lead others as we serve one another. And so, but the, the Bible says it pleased the whole multitude and they laid hands on them. And anytime I get a new one, we lay hands on them and set them in and they meet these qualifications. And there's about 24 qualifications that God has put out, even for deacons and elders, which elder is the preacher. And uh, elder doesn't just mean old. And then what happens is that for ministers, even ministers that I license ordained, there's 24 qualifications that you and I, are, as a minister, are supposed to be meeting. And it says then, the, this is what happened, though. Here, I'm, I'm going too long. and Because you're too easy to preach to. And the word of God did what? Verse 7. And the word of God did what? And the word of God, did, why? Because they prayed? Because they weren't doing the natural stuff. It's not wrong for a minister. I've done a lot of natural stuff. I don't, I don't mind doing natural stuff. But in order for things to go well, then there comes a time when you got to give your attention to the word and you got to be a prayer. So this is talking about ministers. But who's allowing the minister to pray is the deacons who are doing the work of the ministry who ought to be praying as well. And the church ought to be praying. But a minister ought to be praying. And when they pray, the word of God increased. And then it says what happened. And the number of the disciples that had already multiplied, multiplied again. Multiplication, exponential comes because of prayer. Prayer and the word. Prayer comes. What happens when prayer comes? Signs, wonders, and miracles. God pours out his spirit. What happens when the spirit of God is poured out? Then uh, people are healed. People are raised from the dead. People are, are, are they're, they're delivered out of darkness. They, they're, 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 they're changed. And then what happens is anybody I've ever known who's really had a transformation, they got about 10 to 15 people they want to tell. And when they go do that, what happens? Some of them will come and see, like the woman at the well. Remember, some of them believed because of what she said, but then they heard Jesus for themselves. That's kind of the deal. I love the woman at the well and that principle. You go tell them and some will believe and you'll get them born again and filled with the Holy Ghost when you lay hands on them them, and get them healed. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And then on the other hand, if some are maybe family, how you know sometimes the hardest group to reach is your own family. Even Jesus said that you're not honored in your own hometown amongst your own kin. Your own family. And so maybe you're not the best one, but you can live it in front of them. You're a living epistle read of them. Thanksgiving's coming up. Christmas is coming up. Are you excited about seeing all your family? That was mixed. 
Be a living epistle. Be a living epistle. I was just, uh, my mom was getting some work done in her house, and this guy I've kind of befriended a little bit at the gym. He does, they, him and uh, his company does that, and so he did some work at my mom's, and I just found out that he'd been delivered from drugs, and he's going to a church, and so I'm not going to try to pull him out of that church. It's fine. But I've just been ministering to him some, and he went with his family. He, I was like, how did it go? He said, well, I was trying to talk to him about the Lord, but you know how that goes. <laughs> so, because um, they're family. Some of them are waiting for you to fall on your face again. Some of them are hoping you'll fall on your face again. Let's disappoint them. Let's keep being a living epistle. It multiplied. Why? Because everybody was doing what they're supposed to do. All I'm trying to do is make you excited about this. I don't know if you're excited about this, but I'm re-re-excited about this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Um, <laughs> Make it number five that I'm working on. Um, let's see. Well, that one's about persecution. You don't want to hear that, do you? Um, they were persecuted and they went everywhere and they were multiplied again. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna. Uh, in Acts, uh, let's look at this one. Acts chapter nine. Acts chapter 9, verse 35. Remember Aeneas, Paul was preaching. Now, it doesn't really say prayer here, but uh, Paul prayed for him. I mean, Peter prayed for him. Let's just read it. Verse 31. Then... uh, then had the churches rest throughout Judea and Galilee. This was after all the persecution. And they were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And they were multiplied again. So after the persecution, they were multiplied. So I don't, op, uh, not Opal. Raquel was talking about it last night. I don't like to be persecuted. She's right. We all love to be loved. The first time I ever got a church when it started a bad review about the church and something nasty about me, I, 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 I didn't know what to do. I was like, can't you get that off there? Get that off there. That's terrible. I can't believe someone would say, you know. Uh, They have a bookstore, the gospel for sale. Um, Just, we're mean. Just mean. And I was like, I didn't like that. But you know what? You got to toughen up, buttercup. Because if you preach the real gospel and you have real signs and wonders and the Holy Ghost is really moving, the devil's not going to like it. And the real people that he's going to really pull up against you are religious people. Now, maybe today some of the world, you know, they're doing some stuff, but really it mostly comes from religious folks. Um, So... You know, we got to get over it. And so anyway, here, so after the persecution, oh, gosh, yo, so good. Um, The church was multiplied. Everybody say multiplied. How does it multiply? By prayer. The Holy Ghost is poured out. There's preaching. There's teaching because there has to be. There's nothing without preaching and teaching. And then signs, wonders, and miracles were done. 
People were healed. Lives were changed. And then the church grew to 3,000, 5,000, multiplied, 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 added daily, multiplied again, multiplied. If it's just by two, multiplication of about 20,000 is 40,000, then 80,000. The church is exploding. The church is exploding. The church is exploding. And I believe in the last days the church can explode again. But you and I have to understand, it doesn't just explode in Madison, Alabama. It explodes in India. It explodes in Russia. It explodes in Thailand. It explodes in Taiwan. It explodes, you know, in Venezuela. It explodes in Chile. It explodes in Mozambique. It explodes in Cuba. It explodes everywhere. And sometimes if sometimes we just look at our little thing and we think, well, the church isn't exploding. I'm telling you, the church is exploding all over the world. Even where the devil has tried to move it underground. Sometimes that's where it explodes the most. It's like a beach ball. You can't hold it down forever. It's going to come up. Amen. So it came to pass. Peter passed throughout all the quarters. Verse 32. And it came down to the saints which dwelt. Lydia. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas that kept his bed years and sick of the palsy. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes the whole rise. Make up your bed. And he rose immediately. So we had a miracle with Aeneas. Then what happened? And all, everybody say the all, all. that dwelt in Lydda and Saren saw him and did what? That'd be like saying one miracle caused everybody in Huntsville and Madison to turn to the Lord. If it happened in the Bible, it can happen again. But we have to believe for it. We have to expect it. If it happened in the Bible, it can happen again. We have word on it. So why do we want miracles? Well, first of all, you just want them for people. You know, uh, the Lord corrected me. I thought I was being good, and I was telling my pastor friends one time, you know, if you really want to change this nation, you got to get people born again. you got to get them born again. How many know that's true? But so I was like, I've been telling lots of people. I was patting myself on the back. It's like, yeah, you got to get them born again. you got to get them born again. you got to get them born again. And if they get born again and we teach them the word, then they're going to change how they act. And, whew, everything's going to get better in the United States. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, you're so carnal. That's never good. I mean, there's other things he could call me carnal about. You watch too much football. Yes, I have changed teams. Anyway. Uh... uh I like underdogs. Anyway, um, but he said, you're so carnal. I was like, what? He said, you want them to be born again so you'll have a better life. How carnal is that? How about wanting to get them born again so they can have a better life? That they'll get to be with their father. How about that? How I many you know, to you even, that might sound like a slight adjustment. But it really was a major adjustment. He's always, thank God that he helps us. Guess what? The world doesn't revolve around you and your comfort. Does he want you to do well? Does he want you to be rich? Yep. Does he want you to be healed? Absolutely. Does he want you to have peace? Oh, he paid high for it. All of that. Does he want your children, you know, 
you to have the five best children on the planet? He does. But in the same token, he wants you to be a disciple and a witness. And really that's what this prayer is about. Is I'm praying not for me. I'm praying so God, I'm already saved. I'm already filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm quite sure where I'm going when I die. I enjoy teaching you. And I'm going to keep teaching you. But I want to teach you with a twist. I want to, we've done real well at the first part of our vision. Raising a generation from infants to adults to know him. We've done a really good job with that. But we've been working over the last 10 years at the last part. And making him known. We've got to make him known. And what does that happen? In this prayer, we're praying so that, and we're in unity and we're in one accord. And we're asking God to do what he said that he would do and what he wants to do. And what's he going to do? He's going to respond. Just like he responded to them, he's going to respond to us. And as he responds to us, how is he going to respond? Man, it's going to be amazing. He's going to respond with his glory. He's going to respond with his power. He's going to respond with signs, wonders, and miracles. People are going to get healed. People are going to be raised from the dead. Lives are going to be changed. People are going to come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. They're going to get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, sanctified, set apart. Their marriages are going to get restored. And and then what are we doing? We're, we're, We're multiplying. We're not just multiplying the kingdom. We're multiplying the workforce. We're multiplying, and we're multiplying people that that will have their eternal home in heaven. And and this is, so this is, so it wasn't, so I finally figured out, it's not the growth of a church, it's the growth of a kingdom. So a lot of years ago, I gave up growing this church. And I started growing people. And I started growing the kingdom. And so, I, you know, people come here and they get born again and then they end up in another church. As long as it's a life-giving church and they believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he's raised the dead and they teach the truth, you know, and they may not be exactly like us. Everybody can't handle us. I get that. <laughs> but a lot more people can. And that's where we're going. Amen. Let's spend a little time praying. I thought I'd have you up and down a whole lot more. Didn't go exactly like I thought because y'all are such good hearers. And, but let's not just hear it only. Let's do it. I said, let's do it. Let's see if there's something in here that was really important that I didn't get to. Um, well, yeah, that was half tongues, half me. Um, let's do this before we pray because this was on my heart. You remember, um, who was the first one fr- thrown in prison? James, right? James, not Paul and Silas, James. Where's that at? Do I have that in my notes? This keeps coming up. 12, thanks. Um, yeah. About the time Herod, the king, stretched forth his hand to vex certain in the church, and he killed James' brother John with a sword. Because he saw it pleased the religious, the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter. So what happened? And it, uh, Peter, therefore, is kept in prison, verse 5, but prayer, everybody say prayer, prayer, was made without ceasing for of the church unto God for him. So they all went to John Mark's mama's house. I remember John Mark. They went to John Mark's mama's house, and they were praying. Now, this is the beginning of the church, and it's kind of funny to me when Peter showed up. They were like, oh, that's his angel. Um, I don't know where they got that, but, the, you know, it was like shocked them almost that he really got out. But they prayed without ceasing. 
Now you got to understand, people say, well, then it was just the will of God. You know, God just, he couldn't help James. Well, he couldn't help James because nobody prayed. He couldn't help James because nobody prayed. He couldn't help James because nobody prayed. Well, it's just the will of God for James to go. You don't know that. The assumption is that because it's right by here that we know this, that the Holy Ghost, somebody got, John Mark's mama, somebody got a hold of the fact that somebody needs to pray. If something's going to change, somebody needs to pray. Well, if God just wants to do it, can he do it? Yes, in one way, yes, but no, he needs you to ask. And, and if he, well, if he just wants to pour out his spirit, can he just pour out his spirit? Yes, but he needs you to ask. It's the way he set it up and you can't change it. We have to ask. We have to pray. And so uh, when troubles come, you know, I know you can believe that you receive your way out of things, but I like the people who I hang with and the people that I've trained and my friends. When I get in trouble, I want somebody to pray. Now, I don't want them to pray nonsense, but even if somebody prays nonsense, your nonsense is not going to affect me because, uh, you know, it's not, I don't believe it's going to mess me up, you know, but I believe that we should pray for one another. The Bible says in James, pray for one another. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. And so I had in my heart how to end up today. It's let's pray for this area, for those who are in prison, not so much, even if we can pray for those who are naturally in prison, but there's a lot of prisoners who sit in dark. And they need the glorious light of the gospel. They sit in darkness. And lights available. And you and I can pray for them. So